Welcome to the Smooth Burrito. Uh, it's been about a month, and uh, I guess I had a burrito for dinner tonight, so it's appropriate. <laughs> I'm Frank. I'm Trevor. God, I really, really need to learn how to uh, do an intro better, but... I mean, burritos are good, and if you had one for dinner and then did a Smooth Burrito podcast, I mean, it just... I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm embodying works. the burrito that I just ate, and it's a part of me now, and I've gained its power. Yeah, but was it a smooth burrito, though? Um, well, it was shred- shredded beef, so it was pretty smooth. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Good stuff. So, you been playing anything cool? I have, actually. Um, I've been playing a lot of uh, Dragon Quest Eleven S Definitive Edition, Echoes of the Elusive Age, some other long subtitle uh, on yeah, the you switch. could have been making up shit halfway through that and I <laughs> it's phenomenal dude it's really good it's probably one of the best ports i've ever played on on the switch period it looks amazing and it runs super well um it also has like a bunch of extra shit that the ps4 version didn't have uh, when it launched um if i'm not mistaken the original ps4 version that launched in japan didn't have voice acting at all and then the ps4 version had voice acting in english but the switch version has both japanese and english voice acting did they also redo the soundtrack because the dragon quest composer insists on using like really shitty midi music for everything yeah he was using synths um and the original ps4 version it looks like he's got uh orchestrated soundtrack on the switch version um and it's kind of weird in some places because, like, there are still a couple tracks that are not orchestrated, um, and those stick out a little bit more than they did before. I didn't play it all the way through on the PS4 version. I kind of just dipped my toe in the water, played a few hours, and then was like, you know what, I think I'm going to wait for the Switch version. I'm glad I did, though, because um, they also have, like, the 2D mode, which is fucking cool. Um, it's incredible how this game adapts to, like, a 2D mode back to a 3d mode and vice versa it's just it's kind of insane you mean 2d mode like uh like the older games yeah like you can just switch and make it look exactly like a classic fucking dragon quest game that's really cool and it's the same game like same story beats you know same boss fights you know same dungeons shit like it's great it's it's pretty incredible but i'm like uh 10 12 hours in or so kind of all all in on that right now i beat link's awakening the remake uh for the switch didn't take me too long it's kind of a short game um but loved it and like i haven't played that game in so long um and just kind of seeing that reimagined um it gave me kind of like the same feeling that like resident evil 2 did when they did this like remake for that recently um, and that, like, it was a game I played a long, long time ago, and I remember very fondly, but, like, being able to play it now, it, like, it felt like a brand new freaking game, but also, I it hit all the nostalgia triggers at the same time, and I, I would love more games to do that kind of stuff, uh, instead of, like, just the, um, like, resolution bump or whatever, just, like, completely remaking it from the ground up, but keeping all of, like, um, the story and the uh, gameplay mechanics and stuff like that very um like very 
like true to the original. Yeah, I really hope that they do the uh, Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons next. Like, I'd love to see that. Although I still have to get Link's Awakening. But I watched a video on it, and uh, I like the forest perspective that makes everything look miniature. I think that looked really good. Yeah, the art style is incredible. It looks really good. Like, just playing it on the Switch, it looks really it looks really good. It has some frame rate hiccups every once in a while. I know that's a thing that's been going around a lot. Um, but nothing really, like, substantial or noticeable. Just kind of surprising for a first-party Nintendo title. I truly don't uh, usually res- um, expect that from their games but but that's because they devved it on the new switch (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm kidding but it wouldn't surprise me right uh i haven't really been playing much of anything um i guess i kind of did i've been watching a let's play of killer seven that i watched back in the day just because i hadn't seen that game in a minute and oh uh, nice I was thinking about it, and I read this giant game FAQs document about the plot and how it still doesn't make any fucking sense, but this makes no sense in a long explanation form instead of just uh, having what seems like random shit happen. Right. Uh, I've also been playing a bit of Minecraft, and um, some of the guys on the uh, Retroaction Squad Discord uh, are trying to get Fighting Game Mondays uh, started, so I played some Chaos Code, which is a fun game, uh, an anime fighter that, uh, is out on PC. I don't think it got much love, um, it's not as big as, like, Undernight Inbirth or a lot of these other games, but, uh, it's a good game, and I also played Ultra Fight Dakyanta 2, which is free on Steam, it's another fighting game, and if you haven't played that, you should download it, because it's definitely a trip, it's made by one guy, and, uh, it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'd have to give it a shot. But, yeah, other than that, I haven't been doing much. I made, I joked on Twitter. I was like, one of these days I'll actually play video games instead of just existing next to, like, a shitload of them. Right. Ah, uh, man, this year's been crazy, too. Like, there's just been so many games. Like, I still want to play it. There's still, like, ten games that have come out this year that I really want to play. Yeah, my um, my want list is so big at this point. I just don't have the time to play them all, man. I have to, like, pick and choose. And this is the first year in a while where I've pick and choose and, like, pass on games I really wanted to play. It's unfortunate, but I'll loop back to them. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I just need to start using my time a bit more wisely, but, um, you know, that's life, I guess. Yeah, for sure. But, we ready to go into news? Let's do it. <laughs> uh, I gotta do up. I gotta do two in a row because I got the news jingle and I have whatever the hell I'm gonna do for GameStop Death Watch 2019. Oh, that's exciting! I can't wait to hear it. Because uh, apparently they're planning 200 GameStop closures. Oh my god, man, it just keeps coming. Their line, the line of earnings keeps going the fuck down for them. Yeah, they're closing between 180 and 200 underperforming stores in the next six months. That comes following uh, a previous 195 store closing that they already did. And you know they're what? saying that they're going to close more shit after that. <laughs> you know what's interesting to me? There is a hiring sign in the GameStop up the streets window. 
um, like, hey, we're hiring right now. Um, in case you haven't heard of all the news of all the stores getting closed down and want to come work for us, get fired Do you want to hop on this uh, roller coaster right as it crests the hill and slams into the ground? Yeah, man, this is crazy. I mean, like, it's just, it's seriously just a matter of time. Surprising it hasn't happened. Book video a while back of one of their, like, new redesigned stores. Um, And, like, it had, like, CRT TVs in the back with, like, you know, board game tables and shit. And, like, it looked more, looked less like a store, more like a, um, more like just a, a hangout spot. Yeah, and I've always said, like, that's what they need to do to turn themselves around. And they mentioned in this article that, like, apparently they're planning to do more in-store experiences and uh, have, like, tournaments and stuff, which I think would have helped earlier. I don't know if it's going to save them at this point. I think that what's going to happen is they're going to downsize like crazy and then probably get bought by Best Buy or something. Yeah, I would see them getting bought out. Uh, I kind of think that's what they're hoping for. They, yeah, they've feel... wanted to, and they've had, like, they almost had a sale, and then the people backed out at the last second. I don't know who it was. Yeah, it's rough, man. Um, you walk into a GameStop right now, and it does, just the store itself, it just feels a little, it feels really outdated as a re- retail experience, honestly. Uh, it's kind of a disaster. The store is always a fucking mess, which always makes me... Like, kind of makes me kind of wonder in these new, like, hangout spots. I'm like, dude, like, these stores already get torn apart bad enough while they're open as it is. Like, can you imagine, like, kids hanging out there all day and just, like, destroying that place? I mean, a lot of people don't have respect for shit that's not there. So, yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to kind of see if it takes off, if a lot of people go in there and start playing games. And, like, could be a good way for, like, people to play retro games you know if you don't want to have you don't have room in your place not everybody has room in their place for like a crt setup with you know some like retro games and shit you know yeah. so i mean it would be a good opportunity a good place uh for people to play games that you know they don't usually play at home yeah it could also like uh just be one of those things that they dabble in and then immediately pull out of, like, them trying to sell retro games. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'll be interested to see what happens. I will also be interested to see if they factor in the fact that for these in-store experiences, they're going to have to have more staff. Um, Yeah, definitely. But yeah, like you were saying, you walk into a GameStop, it feels like an out-of-date retail experience. It's like going into a Radio Shack, and honestly, the... Stories of both companies are similar in that they had a niche, and that niche became less profitable, so they essentially made, instead of evolving their business model, tried to go into other things, like Radio Shack had their cell phone sales, and just random tech sales. Um, GameStop had, they tried selling cell phones for a bit, now they have all the uh, crap that they, like the nerd crap that they try to sell, which we'll get into in a second. Um, and then, like, they, they were just over, both are overextended on retail, or I guess Radio Shack was, and, yeah, essentially now all the dominoes are falling, and even though GameStop is a chain that, to remain healthy, could have used closing probably most of these stores, 
Um, or at least it would have been a good move just to consolidate business because I don't know about you, but I, I look for game stores around me and there's like within a five mile radius, 26 game stops. There's almost as many as Starbucks or McDonald's. Yeah, I know there is a lot. I mean, like there's literally like three within like a, like five, 10 block radius. Yeah. They basically did the one in every strip mall thing. Like every, every strip mall you go to in Maryland has a game stop and a liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have way too many of them. I mean, like GameStop, games are like a popular thing. They're getting more and more popular. But like, when GameStop started popping these stores up everywhere, it wasn't a thing where like literally everyone is buying games. You know, like it's not like something. It's not a retail store that's needed everywhere. It also I mean, doesn't help that like they half of these stores they opened in what are basically closets. Like, you go yep. in there, and it's basically game trailer. <laughs> yeah, game trailer, that's good. Yeah, man, it's it's so true. Like, they're all very small, they're laid out the same way, it's just like kind of a tunnel with two walls, and you just like have games on each side with just a bunch of crowded bullshit in the middle of the yeah, store. Yeah, a maze of uh, Funko Pops and shit that you have to step around to buy a game for way too much money. Yep. And the thing is, like, if they had had the, the foresight and the time to close these stores and consolidate their retail presence slower, no one would have batted an eye. Now, even if they're not screwed, which I think they are, but even if they aren't by closing those uh, by closing those stores, it just makes them look bad to people who could potentially bail them out. Yeah, it's so true. But I don't. I wonder why they're doing so bad. It's not like they sell moldy Fallout 76 helmets or anything. <laughs> or do they? This is this is a great uh, chocolate in my uh, getting my chocolate in your peanut butter situation of I get to talk shit on both GameStop and Bethesda <laughs> because yeah. the new Coca-Cola themed Fallout 76 helmet sold at GameStop had to be recalled due to. Dangerous to deadly levels of mold. <laughs> That's so insane, man. It's absurd. What was the what was the quote in this article? Mold can be present on the fabric insert inside the helmet, posing a risk of respiratory or other infections in individuals with compromised immune systems, damaged lungs, or an allergy to mold. States the recall notice around 20,000 units were made and recalled. This is on Polygon.com, by yeah. the way. And what's hilarious about that 20,000 quote? Apparently only 32 helmets were sold total. <laughs> yeah, and then to reach out to all 32 of those people and be like, hey, yo, your helmet, it's probably got mold in it. Your $150 uh, special boy beyond the special edition Fallout 76 helmet has to be recalled due to deadly moles. <laughs> so crazy, man. Um, God, that's something that you get, like, you don't get that from a fall, uh, video game collectible. You get that from living in an illegal tenement building where, like, in New York City where you live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Mold's everywhere here, man. These buildings are a disaster. But, like, this is, this is one of those things, you know, like, I, I always look at these... I don't know, these collectible items that like GameStop and like ThinkGeek and stuff sells. And I'm just like, it's very rare that I see something cool enough to be like, oh yeah, that would be like cool to have. A lot of the time I'm like, man, that's just cheap crap. 
Um, but in this case, it wasn't cheap at all. It was no. $150. Well, I guarantee you it was cheaply made, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, $150 for a wearable plastic helmet that will give you mold poisoning. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. So terrible. Yeah, there's too much plastic crap. That's the problem with GameStop, is that, like, it's become plastic crap world, and I think... A lot of people, they either don't have the space or the extra money uh, to buy this shit, and that's part of the reason why GameStop's doing badly. But uh, people yeah. sure love their Funko Pops enough to where they're making a goddamn Funko Pop movie. I mean, why? How this, do you do this? This like, is the same, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the same company that made the Emoji movie. <laughs> yep, that's one of the worst movies ever made. Oh, I think it came God. out with like a 1% on Rotten Tomatoes or something for a little while. Um, it's horrible. How? It's a horrible movie. Well, yeah, I, I, no doubt. But how do you make a movie based on licensed shit from... I guess they did it with Ready Player One, and that sucked. So... Yeah, but like, this is just a... This is, you're making a movie based on a type of figurine. They have... They have pop like funko pop figures for literally everything in existence so how do you make a movie around that like do you just have appearances from literally everything in existence i mean we're talking like freaking video games and movies and tv shows and comic books and like just literally anything you can possibly think of has a funko pop figure pulling back on the cynicism for a second this has been done right before I think this was okay. also Warner Brothers. The Lego movie is basically that. Like, it yeah, has its own true. stuff, but it also has all the license shit, and it was fun. The Lego movie's good. But I think that people also, A, like, A, that Lego has original shit that they could fall back on for the bulk of the movie. Um, B, people have more of an attachment to Lego than they do Funko Pops. Like, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that, like, Nobody plays with fun, nobody plays with Funko Pops. They just stick them on a shelf and then wonder why they That's have it. so many soulless-eyed bobbleheads that vaguely look like some licensed thing. Yeah, I never understood the popularity around them. I mean, like, it's just got to be a collectible type thing. But like, I've seen people go in and buy like fifty of these things at one time. I uh, think I just... that it scratches two itches. It scratches. The itch that people have to collect stuff, and it also scratches the itch that people have to uh, have everything look uniform. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's uh, that's a really good point, for sure. So it's, I think the ami the amiibo craze kind of scratches that itch too. You know, like they have the same like you know, sit on a base. They're about the, they're roughly the same size. They're all mostly Nintendo based. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I got caught up in the Amiibo craze, um, so, I mean, I guess I kind of understand it. Amiibos I can understand, though, because it's, like, it's basically, it's a statuette. It looks like the character. Funkos yeah, I know. look like weird, like, weird monsters, weird gremlin things in Halloween costumes. Yeah, I know. I mean, they even have, like, sports player Funko Pops, like, I, I don't they, 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 there's just so much around that that 
I think is is just kind of ridiculous. I never really understood it. Yeah, they're gonna release Funko Pop Funko Pops, and then oh god, the world will just explode. Funko Pop Inception. I mean, uh, they also sell ten dollar Funko Pop cereal, which is the uh, greatest scam I've ever seen. Oh yeah. Oh god, the they have Pokemon Fun- Funko Pops. I'm getting off this tag. Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's Nintendo Funko Pops now. Uh, oh no! Don't tell me that. Just yeah. No. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of bad ideas, <laughs> so Google Stadia, uh, which is a, uh, how would you describe Stadia? <laughs> a pack of um, lies. A pack of lies. <laughs> That will only be proven as lies when people start paying ridiculous amounts of money for games and subscription services to only realize that they're inferior to the hardware that they're playing at home. Google Stadia, the latest example of hubris in digital form by Google. (laughs) Here we go. Uh, The chief engineer, uh, the VP of engineering rather, has said that Due to a technology they call negative latency, Google Stadia will feel less uh, latent than even your console at home. How they plan on doing this is using AI to predict your moves, which, given how well my predictive texting works, is going to go great. (laughs) I can't wait for someone to try to play Tekken with this shit. Yeah, no. It's... I... So, I mean, I don't want to be completely negative on Google Stadia because I think, like, there's certain aspects of it that I am kind of excited about um, in terms of where it's moving, like, the industry. I feel like if streaming, if we can get to a point where streaming games is, like, a thing, there are some games I wouldn't mind streaming, Tekken not being one of those. But um, there are some games that I wouldn't mind, like, streaming. Like, if I was playing, like, Persona 5 or something, like, I wouldn't mind streaming that game. Yeah, over of course. Anything, anything turn-based. RPG. I'm hoping that, like, also we'll get some good new video tech, like, low-latency video technology uh, out of this. And also, yeah. like, I've played games over Parsec. It's not... It's not the best, but it's certainly better than, uh, a lot of games' native online experiences. Right. And and I feel like I don't like this whole predictive thing. I feel like it could be problematic, and I feel like there's just so far to go before they... I feel like this is something that should be implemented later, like something that they should be like, okay, let's test the waters, let's see how things are going, let's see how people play this, let's kind of make sure that... Let's just see how this runs on a wide variety of internet connections before we start adding stuff like AI predictive shit like that's gonna try to alter the way like i I could just see this going badly like what if the ai predicts i'm doing something that i don't want to do and is this going to make it seem worse than latency it's it's basically going to be like it's going to feel like when your controller fucks up right or Joy-Con drift. Yeah, that. Like, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Why is the thing doing that? And I really exactly. don't... I can... They have, Maybe there's uh, a way to turn it off. I, I would mean. hope so. Um, but given the fact that it's Google, Lord knows, because they like baking in stupid options and then not letting you turn them off. 
Yeah. Uh, I I know that they have a bot that can play StarCraft fine. I don't I don't like. I'm not saying they can't make a an AI play video games, but the space is too big. Like, not only do they have to make the game play or the AI play a bunch of video games, and this is assuming that like there's going to be games that don't have like Stadia hooks built in or whatever, and they're just exposing the bot to a game running. Like, not only do they have to get it good at a ton of different games, but they have to get it to predict what a specific person is going to do. Right. I don't know how the hell that's going to work. And and they are getting shit for this all over the internet, and I think rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, I think their idea is around, like, using game design and, and kind of where you're going and what you're doing to kind of predict what you're going to do next for some quest-based games that might be like thing in certain spots right but when you're talking like tekken or first person shooters or things that very need very like concise you know low latent input responses from the player this is just going to be terrible then it's not like every game is time crisis where the enemies pop up and then obviously you're going to shoot this guy next. Like, if I'm playing Skyrim, there are 27,000 different things that I could do that involve moving in a slightly different direction. Yeah, you're right. And I want to use an example, Destiny 2, which they've pushed as like their big Stadia game. You get Destiny 2 and all of its content forever for free with Stadia. Um, they are pushing this hard, and you don't. This is the last thing you want in Destiny Two, dude. Like seriously. Yeah, I just I don't I don't get how it's gonna work. I think it it feels like a buzzword. Like honestly, I know we're gonna talk about it in a bit, but like you know how uh, Sony was saying that they have a hard drive that's basically RAM, and it's really a solid-state drive. Like, yeah. This is more marketing bullshit than that was. Yeah, and Microsoft is saying the same thing. It's... I agree, man. They're all trying to, like, push out, like, these new tech terms and phrasing and stuff to get, like, the people that aren't as technically knowledgeable to get, like, really excited about stuff. I mean, um, hilariously enough, like, Fighting games are one of the games that this could actually be more viable <laughs> because uh, the this game space per frame is way tighter than other games where you have way like not not that you have more options in terms of moves but you have more options in terms of what you're doing whereas in a fighting game you're just trying to fight the other guy. Right. Here you. Yeah. Um. I also know that, like, I think a few emulators have messed with using negative latency technology. I guess that's what we're calling it. But basically, like, predictive frame technology to essentially make up for um, lag. But, again, those are uh, those are emulators of something like NES and SNES emulators. Those games are way simpler than a modern 3D game. Like, Yeah, for sure. But hell, maybe I'll be wrong. Um, you know what I wasn't wrong about? What's that? Mario Maker needing matchmaking with friends because Nintendo finally figured it out that that's something people would want. You know, and they, 
they announced that this was coming like after all the backlash that it wasn't happening they announced that this was coming later that they were working on it this game's been out for a while man like this should have came a long time ago how the um, hell how the hell do you have an online service that doesn't have matchmaking baked into it like they they already had the technology to match you up with another random person and then play the game together and that's the hard part like <laughs> if i have if i have a friends list and i see that hey uh demetrius is online and i click and like match up with him the, they have done had to do zero work. It's just the same code to match you up with a random person, except I'm shoving the variable in. I don't know why it had to be worked on. Yeah, I know, right, man? Like it, it's one of those things. Like when you heard, like they had multiplayer, but not matchmaking with friends. You were like, how? What? How does this even make sense? Why would you not do this? The only thing I can see is that, like, that was one of those instances where probably Miyamoto but whoever was heading up the design of this game and made that decision was very obstinate that that was the correct way to go like the motion controls in Star Fox Zero right except there was enough backlash this time and there's also like new people at Nintendo who have more modern ideas about how games are supposed to go which will come into play in the next uh, subject but uh to where that person essentially got overruled and was like, yeah, we have to add this feature in. Like, we just have to. Because yeah, they have, a lot of, they have a lot of new, younger people at Nintendo, for sure. Um, you kind of see that with some of their new IPs, like Splatoon and whatnot. Um, and then, and the Switch itself, in general. So, like, I, I feel like Nintendo is making some right moves, Um I just felt like this one should have came a lot earlier. I think this was like kind of a duh, we want this type situation. Like I, they dropped the ball with that at launch because I mean, while people are still playing it, it's not as hot as it was when it came out when everybody was like fucking playing it nonstop on Twitch. Yeah. And do I think that like the game was hamstrung that hard by not having it? I don't know. I think that uh, Mario Maker's appeal was largely in passing levels around and less in like playing with people the way they have it set up but that I think was it w one of the big things that they touted for this game right yeah like was the multiplayer i like i feel like a lot of the stuff with this mario maker was like the same cool stuff that was there with the last mario maker but like one of the cool new things was like the whole like leveling system and like like competing against people in certain levels like there were certain like levels that you could design for com like competitive multiplayer and playing those with with friends is what would make them fun um so it was disappointing to me that it wasn't there um, yeah i might even return to it now that it's back but yeah and i honestly like they're gonna make this mistake again because they always do. I had to put in a goddamn friend code to match up with people in Smash Ultimate. Yeah, you still have to do the friend codes. Those are obnoxious. Like, I just... I know that you're having me put in the, like, the database ID that you have this user under. But... They have to have a unique username, I assume. Let me look that up. 
I know, right? Oh my god. Or like, so the way Nintendo does usernames is like you you can have a username that someone else has, man. Oh, well that's incredibly stupid. They should do the Discord thing where they just add a random number at the end. I know. But I know, man. I, I think part of the issue here, and it it doesn't make the issue worse, um, but it makes our perception of the issue worse, is because we're programmers and we can kind of, like, we can put ourselves in the heads of these people yeah, I <laughs> who know. aren't doing it right. And we can be like, why? It doesn't make sense to me why you wouldn't do it this way. And, like, I was, I mean, I, uh, as a developer, like, there's been times where, like, people would literally be up in arms about why you couldn't change your PSN names. I just had to, ex- <laughs> I had to just explain to them, like, the network architecture was clearly not set up the right way. You know what they did? They probably did? fired I, all those people. I did get definitive, uh, like, I did get definitive receipts on what they did. So they had their, 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 their database key, the primary key, was your username. And yeah, I know, right? all the changed username was was a new field that only some games referenced. <laughs> so if you play something really old, you might see your old screen name. Yeah. That yeah, I saw that. I mean it, it was set up so poorly and you gotta look at like like Microsoft clearly thought ahead in that. Like they've been letting you change your name from the beginning. Like, yeah, Microsoft has also had way more time to fall ass backwards in that trap than sony has i guess like the reason why xbox live was so good was because microsoft is microsoft and already had experience in online infrastructure like yeah and sony probably didn't think it would take off the way it did i don't know why they didn't think that but i think they were kind of just like rushing like shit microsoft is doing this people are jumping on board let's get something that we can have Let's not put a ton into it because we're going to make it free because that was Sony's big thing. Like, you don't have to pay for our service. So, like, they're like, let's not pour a ton of money and resources into that. We're going to make ours free. People can play for free on our system together. It'll be it'll be all right. But then they realized later, like, they didn't foresee this blowing up like it did and, you know, realize that later, like, hey, we're going to have to fucking charge for this for server space and, like, all the other shit we're trying to do. You know, like with our Gaikai purchase and GameStream and PlayStation Now and like all this shit, PlayStation yeah. Plus, you know, et cetera. So like, um, they just, I don't think they planned ahead. I think it was kind of like a rush type situation to try to get something. Yeah, everything uh, that, everything that I've read about PSN from the downloadable titles to the store itself to how they have the uh, network infrastructure implemented and how they used to have it implemented has just been them essentially rushing to bodge something together uh, yeah. and get it running. Like, yeah. Because like, originally they were just planning on having uh, peer-to-peer for connections for all their games, like how you used to do it, essentially. Uh, right. In, in the console space, at least. And the big thing with Xbox Live was it brought the dedicated server space, like, the not space, but like the, de- the idea of dedicated servers to the console space. Right. And that's what they had to catch up with, but... I don't know why the hell we just started roasting Sony in this one. <laughs> <laughs> this is Nintendo's fuck-up. <laughs> right, Sony's sure. uh, online infrastructure is confident, but... Uh, 
Let's talk about another Nintendo fuck-up that uh, we can't roast Sony over. Oh, yeah. You want to take the lead on this one? Because you seem to have some thoughts. Sure, so Mario Kart Tour is a thing. It's not a good thing, um, but it's a thing. And, oh, man. Just, I don't even know where to start, man. So, um, I downloaded this game, as I do with all Nintendo games that they put uh, in the App Store. Um, it's free to start, um, but it is just loaded with microtransactions to the to a point that's like predatory. Um, it's just awful. Um, so you basically download a game, you can play it, you play your first match or whatever, your your first race, um, and it lists like all th- this is the first thing that made me mad right and, and uh just like right off the bat it lists all the people that you're racing against and it's got these like randomly generated names that look like they're other users they're not you always win your first race because everyone else is terrible i played terrible because the controls are terrible and i got first place in my first race i'm like this isn't even possible there's no way this game's easy and this easy and i downloaded it like a day later than it after it went out so like all these people have to be way better than me but i realized what they were doing was the PUBG thing where PUBG mobile did this thing similar where everybody you were playing with for until you hit like level a certain level or whatever were just bots uh and you're like leveling up quicker and you're getting items quicker and you made made you feel like you were really good at the game so you play more uh, that's essentially what mario kart was doing because you're not playing online with anyone you're playing against bots it's terrible um so I did that, and then once you get through your first race, you get into like this pricing structure um, that doesn't make any sense. There's multiple types of currencies um, to spend on just about anything from carts to characters to you know a new a 200cc game mode. Um, and then there's the worst possible thing about this, uh, which is the 4.99 per month subscription. Um, that the 200 CC tier is actually locked behind. Yeah. Uh, so you get for five dollars a month, you will get you'll unlock your 200 CC tier. Um, I'm not 100% sure what else you get. Uh, I think it's in here in this article by Kotaku. Um, players can sign up for a free two week trial subscription to the Mario Kart Tour Gold Pass by tapping the Gold Pass purchase button in game. With the Mario Kart Tour Gold Pass subscription, players can unlock the extra fast 200cc mode, obtain additional in-game rewards from racing, and gain access to bonus goals exclusive to Gold Pass holders. Once the two-week free trial period ends, it will convert to a monthly subscription for $4.99 per month, unless canceled. This is ridiculous because a lot of these, a lot of these. Things that are um, that you get with like these cold pass, these uh, additional in-game rewards um, are just random. Like you have no idea what you're gonna get, man. Um, and it's ridiculous. And it's my least favorite pricing structure or game done by Nintendo so far. So like Fire Emblem Heroes was a gotcha game that 
like had a bunch of microtransactions in it but man like you i played that game for free for so long and enjoyed the hell out of it like you get a ton of stuff you know you can unlock without having to pay any money um this is ridiculous to have a whole entire game mode locked behind um a, subs- a monthly subscription yeah, not, not even a, a, a purchase and i get it which would be fine i'd be fine with that i think that if more mobile games had the option where i purchase a tier or something once and i basically get the entire meat of the game and don't have to worry about all separate two separate currencies or whatever i love when they do multiple currencies to obfuscate how much you're paying too exactly Just show yeah. me in the dollar amounts that that should be legislated like i'm surprised it hasn't been yet with all this talk of uh loot boxes being banned but like to stick that behind a monthly subscription a part a piece of the game and i know it's a free game but that's just beyond the pale for me and i don't want to sound like the doomsayer like the guy with the giant beard the alan moore looking dude holding the <laughs> sign that says the end is nigh yeah because I've I've already said this on like some of these other Nintendo free to play uh, things that we've gone over, but they're just they're like their mobile games are getting more a bit more predatory as they're like starting to get used to the revenue stream, and I, know, I hope they don't do it. But I I worry that some of this stuff is going to start to creep into their games that you actually have to pay for. It already hit console with that Kirby thing, and we didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah, that's true. I I don't see it happen with major hitters, man. Um, I mean, I'd be shocked to see like a Zelda or Mario loaded with micro microtransactions like this. You're, um, what I think what's going to happen is uh, you're not going to see it in the main game, but you're going to see like Pokemon Battle Heroes or whatever. Yeah. The hell. Uh, and like it's a fifteen dollar game. It's only fifteen bucks. Maybe it's even free to start, and then like there's after a while you have to pay fifteen dollars or some sort of stupid pricing structure. By the way, I really hate the whole free to start thing. I feel like it's obfuscating what the game actually is at this point. Yeah. Like the original games that they had fit the more more the free to start mold. This these are just regular free to play games. But anyway, like yeah, it'll be like a fifteen dollar game, and it'll have a bunch of microtransaction shit because it's really just how far can you inch forward the line of acceptability before people start to push back? A lot of these mobile game companies and developers like actually reach out to and shit like that to try to understand how like the human brain works and what triggers them to spend more money um, or become more like quote unquote addicted to certain elements within a game. Yeah. That's Um, probably how you got that bot thing is that, uh, the PUBG people went to a psychiatrist and figured that out. And yeah, they're now other people are like, doing it. They're like, make them feel good about the game. You know, make them make the player feel like they're good at the game. They'll keep playing the game. I've also seen where uh, this this was a thing in older free to play games. Like I'm thinking specifically War Rock on PC, which was a Counter Strike clone. Like. When you when the player starts, give them good weapons, make them feel powerful. I, I've also seen patents. I think Activision did one for like matchmaking that at the start would match you up against weaker players, so that you would feel better. But as time went on, it would reverse and match you against better players to encourage you to buy the special points to get the good weapons and shit. Yeah. And uh, 
I don't know about you, but I don't want my past, like my uh, pastime that I use to unwind to turn into a Skinner box. Yeah, no, definitely not. And I, I liked the idea of Nintendo getting into the mobile scene, but I feel like this is like poisoning their name and their reputation for just like. A lot of, like, Mario Kart should have never had this negativity attached to it, and it's unfortunate that it has. Yeah, like, it's it's doing the classic thing of they built goodwill for a brand, in this case Mario Kart or Mario in general, and now this is the, this is the start, and like I said, I hope that they don't keep going with it, but this is the start to them essentially cashing in that goodwill for money. For the opportunity to exploit people. And, like, Mario Kart is played by a lot of adults, but Mario Kart and Mario, uh, just in general, they're kids' games. Like, yeah. I feel like they're just trying to get the kid to hit the $5 two-week free trial thing, not tell their parents, because, oh, it's free, I don't have to tell them. And then Nintendo gets, like, 15 20 bucks out of uh, the, you know, the pe kid's parents before they notice. Yeah, that's how they get you, man. On those, on those free, free trials for sure. But if you want to spend five dollars a month on mobile games and actually have those mobile games be good, there's something called Apple Arcade, and it's for you. Well, it's not for me. I have an Android phone, so I don't give a shit. But tell me about it. If you have an Apple phone. <laughs> Or an Apple iPad, or an Apple Mac, because it's on all the, all the Apple shit, then you'll enjoy this. You should check it out. Um, Apple Arcade costs four ninety nine per month. It's a family subscription, so it can go up to six family members. Um, so six people uh, on your family sharing subscription have access to a large amount of mobile games for four ninety nine a month. Um, the games that are included, there's like, I think there's roughly like 70 games, uh, right, right now on there. Um, there's a few that, like, are, that I've enjoyed, that I've been playing, I'll kind of go over this right now. Um, I've been playing this game called Various Day Life, it's the game it's a game made by the people who did uh, Bravely Default uh, for the 3DS games. Um, super interesting, like the art style, the story, the battle system, all that stuff is very akin to the Bravely Default games, which I love. So um, it's been really good. I've enjoyed that one a lot. Um, Sayonara Wild Hearts. Uh, a rhythm game that is pretty freaking incredible. Uh, it's out on everything. Um, Switch, PS4, I think it's on Xbox, not 100% sure on that. Um, but it's really great. It's included in the subscription. I've been playing this game called Skate City. Uh, if you liked the old, uh, what was it, EA that made the skate games yeah. uh, back in the day? Yeah, it's very similar to that. Like the controls are, you know, just basically essentially like the skate games back in the day so they, they kind of fed off that and it, it's really good 
Um, Oceanhorn 2 uh, is essentially a Breath of the Wild clone. Is um, that the one with the icon that's totally not Link? Yeah. Uh, that looks exactly like Link. Yeah. Um, it's pretty good, actually. It's not bad. Um, but it's definitely not Breath of the Wild by any means. But it's a decent uh, game that's included here. It's definitely like high quality. Um, it a lot of like effort was put in the game, so it's not like a cheap ripoff. It, it's it's decent. Yeah, as an um, aside, I actually don't really mind clone games too much because that just means it's more of a game that I liked that I probably have finished already. And without right. without clone games, we wouldn't have uh, the entirety of SNK's fighting games. So, right. I mean, that's a good point. Um, there's a couple puzzle games um, on there as well that I really like. Grindstone is a huge one. Everybody's going crazy for that one right now. Um, it's really good. Uh, and then there's. I think there's a couple card games I haven't got around to playing yet either that I want to check out, but it's growing. You know, I get email. I'm still on free trial, which lasts a month. Uh, I get emails like every week or so that they've added a few new games to the list. Um, I am interested to see how far this goes. I know a ton of people that are subscribing to this. that think it's really cool. You can play all these games offline. Um, I believe that, uh, the games are void of microtransactions. Um, and, I mean, a lot of these are just, like, really good, you know, some are indie games, some are big-time games, some are just, you know, exclusive games for mobile. Uh, some games you see across the board on all consoles also on mobile. Something that uh, iOS did with the new release of ios 13 when they added apple arcade was they added support for ps4 and xbox one controllers um so that's really cool uh if you have like an ipad or an iphone and you know you want to use an actual controller on some of these games which would help uh, you're able to do that now it makes your i mean your iphone or your ipad essentially you know a lot more um, of a gaming friendly device and I, I really like it i think you know, in terms of subscriptions, it's, you know, one of the best banks for your buck if you like playing games, uh, generally. I mean, most of these games aren't like those gotcha uh, mobile games, not a lot. Like, most of these games are like a lot of games that you'd see on consoles and stuff as well. Yeah, I noticed none of these icons have a screaming man with huge teeth, which is a good sign. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I think it's a cool idea. I do wonder if it's sustainable in the long run because honestly, like five dollars a month, I guess five dollars a month per person divided by however many games. I don't know how they're doing their revenue splits. Like, I don't know how the sausage is made at the other end of this. Um, from Apple the has to be that putting a lot of money up. into it. You, you, you would think. Yeah. They have to be eating some costs at the moment, I would assume. Um, but at the same time, a lot of these developers are getting their... Like, a lot of these independent developers that might not got... Like, a lot of these games are games that would be sold on the App Store for, like, $5 a pop. Yeah. Um, and those games don't get a lot of downloads, right? Yeah, this um, is at least a guaranteed revenue stream, and that's important for indie studios especially. It's part of the reason why... You see so many indies going to the Epic Game Store. Like, yeah, you could 
you can, and this is going to be a pro Epic game store rant, I'm sorry, but like, you can get angry at Epic for paying devs for exclusivity, but that's guaranteed money, and guaranteed money is hard to come by, especially when your alternative is the Steam Thunderdome, which I think that they're redoing their algorithm again, uh, just as an aside, uh, because it's still not surfacing uh, as many quality titles, and it's still like either shovelware or recommending The Witcher 3 for the 14th time. So, I think that they have different flavors now, where you can get, like, more indies versus more AAA games, but that's besides the point. Like, for an indie studio to survive these days, guaranteed money is an important thing. For sure. 100%. And I think this is, from what I hear, it's it's been good for them. Um, and we'll see. I mean, Apple doesn't, I mean, it's not necessarily known for, like, killing off and giving up on subscription services so quickly um i remember apple music didn't get a lot of um a lot of you know traction at first but um they stuck with it um they kind of like manipulated it a bit or you know kind of changed it up a little bit and um you know now now it's doing pretty well so i mean it it kind of just depends on how long they stick with it how profitable it is for them i'll be interested to see if they release the numbers for like the amount of people that subscribed during the first month on that free trial and then the amount of people the month over that actually paid the five dollars and i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if this is like a loss leader uh too to get people to use iphones essentially um because google doesn't really have the option assuming that uh Apple's actually losing money on this. Google doesn't really have the option to do that because unlike Apple where, like, uh, Apple sells their own hardware, Google is, like, Android's technically a free OS that can be on anything. Yeah. Like, there's obviously some, like, there's some money uh, involved in support and contracts for yada yada yada, but uh, the, the the distribution model, the underlying operating system that uh these things run on is completely different so i don't think that i don't think that google has the option to counter this really in the same way exactly i agree but i guess they could always just roll it into fucking uh google play music youtube premium thing that like i'm signed up for where i play or where i pay 12 dollars and get like Google Music for my family and then a bunch of other shit that I don't care about and don't use. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, I think it's I think it's a good thing and I would honestly like I I like paying for games once, but if the fork in the road here is games on a subscription service versus games with microtransactions everywhere, I'm going to take the subscription service. Yeah, me too. 100%. I think they're targeting, like, audiences like us for this. Yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see, like, I, I noticed that it's... All the games that are on there are exclusive to it right now. I'm interested to see if you will eventually see, like, Monument Valley or some other bigger mobile games that already had a release in here, or if you'll see cross-platform titles in the future. 
I'd be interested to see that as well. Maybe some of those older games did cost money before and then really aren't seeing dipped or fell off. Um, maybe trying to get, you know, reinvigorated on Apple Arcade. I think we could see some of that. Yeah, that'll be cool. But anyway, you have another mobile gaming device you wanted to talk about too, didn't you? Yeah, so I picked up a Switch Lite. Um, I couldn't resist um, because it's Nintendo hardware, and I have a very hard time resisting Nintendo hardware. Um, and my expectations were not let down. The console itself is actually very lightweight, super portable. Um, it's basically a Vita 2. Um, this thing feels really, really good to hold. It feels solid, good build quality, screen size is quite perfect. It's all like one solid unit. Um, I play my Switch probably 80% handheld. I play it on the train. I play it at lunch at work. This, the original Switch is too big to fit in any of my pockets, even my hoodie pocket. Um, this, on the other hand, is not. This fits, like, right into my hoodie pocket. It's, like, you know, my back pocket. Like, it's very easy to take places. I also feel much more comfortable taking it places um, because it's just a little bit sturdier of a build because it doesn't have all these, like, moving parts like Joy-Con and shit that are sliding off of it. Um, I like it. And currently, right now, I'm using it as, like, a secondary handheld system while my other one sits at home docked um, just attached to the TV. So if I do want to play... Um, games on the TV, I can still do that. Nintendo's come a long way in their online infrastructure to allow cloud saves and switching between games on two different consoles. Before just one generation ago, um, you had to train your like Nintendo ID was attached to a console, like to the hardware, and you'd have to get it transferred to another set of hardware if you wanted to use it. Um, and that was horrible. So it's good to see that I could like actually have my account on two different consoles. I can save stuff, put it, you know, have it up in the cloud, and then pull it down on my other console and play it. It's, um, it's not completely seamless um, because the saves don't pull down automatically on the other console, but it's quite efficient. It's much better than what I expected from Nintendo, um, and it's actually working out pretty well. I haven't had any issues with it, especially since I only play on the TV like 15, 20% of the time, so like I only have to go in and pull down saves every once in a while. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I, I did see that there was some awkwardness with the save stuff. I know that there's also some awkwardness with, since this is the mobile, like this is the mobile first version of the Switch, um, for lack of a better term, like, this one needs to be the one that is kind of set as the primary console because, like, it yeah, needs to other, be able to play all you, the games. If you play digital games or have digital games primarily, um, you have to have one of your consoles set as the primary console. The one that's not set as your primary console will, also, will always have to ping the internet for your digital games to confirm that you own the game. Um, that's fine with me uh, because I just set my portable one to the primary console, the one that's at home pings the internet to make sure like I own the game or whatever. And then it plays, it takes like a split second. It just says checking and then loads the into the game. Um, I don't, I, I saw a lot of people complaining about that, but I, I just don't understand why. Yeah. That's um, been a thing for every console since 
the 360. Um, yeah. That, like, you have a primary console and then anything else you have to be logged in. I can understand it being a bit more awkward because of the portability of the Switch, but, like... Like, I, I feel like people are, like, mad because they want their original Switch to be their primary console, but, like, do... Like, you're just calling it the primary console. Like, if... Like, I... I literally... The way I see it is one console needs to be connected to the internet, the other one doesn't. The one that doesn't need to be connected to the internet should probably be the one that is never connected to the internet when I fucking play it. So, there you go. Yeah. That's it. Like, it, the primary and not primary version of my console is, like, irrelevant to me. Yeah, that and, like... That, it's just... You, you already fucking... Not you, but, like... People who bought multiple Switches and are bitching about this, like, you bought two of the same goddamn game console. <laughs> and, like, if, if it's so important to you that you, have, like, are able to play X game offline, buy it twice. Yeah, I know. It's so true, man. It's so true. You just buy it twice. Or just don't buy it digitally. Buy a fucking cartridge. Yeah, and then yeah, that's put your car you, Then you don't have to worry about it at all, man. But I've also seen people bitching about having to swap cartridges around. I'm like, what? What? What are you? (laughs) You've always had to do that. Since the beginning of fucking handheld game systems, dude. Any game system, like digital only, is a recent thing. Yeah, and that's what I've done on the Switch. Uh, All my Switch games are digital. Every single one of them is a digital game. Yeah, I I ended up doing that too. Uh, So it's like. I haven't had any issues with it. I actually I purchased Dragon Quest Eleven on my Switch Lite, played it on my Switch Lite all week while I was working and on the train and stuff. And then the weekend came around and I wanted to play it on my TV. So I just downloaded the game from the eShop really quickly, easily, didn't have to do anything special. My account was already signed in, just downloaded the game on my other Switch, downloaded my cloud save. This whole process took like no time at all. And then just played the game. It was like, it was quite seamless. Like when I read all these articles of people complaining about, what did you expect? Like I, I just don't understand what your expectations were. Like the only difference, like the only system that does this better is Microsoft's Xbox, which is that like you just don't even have to think about it. Yeah, the, the only thing that I could see is like uh, the cloud saves pull down automatically when the automatically, system yeah, which That's is what really the Xbox only does. Seem that and could you, close. It, it you just don't have to think about it. Like I could literally just sign into my dad's Xbox One. All my games will be there to download. If he already has one of the games I own downloaded, I can just go into that game. My save will be there. I don't even have to think about it. I don't. I don't have to do anything whatsoever. Like I'll just start off from the last time I played it, and that's pretty incredible. But you really expected that from Nintendo? Like seriously? Dude? Yeah. Like they're still from on. You're like they're still on front like, codes. Probably like twenty dollar a year fucking subscription service. Like, get the fuck. Out of here. <laughs> anyway, um, speaking of Sony, and I guess not dunking on them in this case, although we will a little bit, but uh, we have a deeper look at the PlayStation Five, courtesy of Wired. Um, I'm so excited! I'm the, so excited! Yeah, the article is paywalled, um, but I think they give you three free before they start charging. So. Um, sorry about that, but anyway. Yeah, PS5 news. It's a thing. I do want to start off talking about the way Sony is approaching before we get into, like, the actual PS5. No, by all means. 
Um, Sony is doing something new that I've never seen in any fucking like like one even in any one of the big three ever do kind of like a lead up to a console launch. Um, they've just been doing all these Mark Cerny wired exclusives um, to release any information about their console. It's all written content, interviews and shit like no video content. Um, and it's just so weird to me. And like, it's all very technical. Um, and it's all very like the stuff they're saying is cool and I'm excited and they've got me excited, but I'm a technical person. Like I'm an individual who loves tech, right? Like, but for people that aren't like me, I have a hard time understanding how anyone would get excited about any of this shit. And I think I know what they're doing. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. This is the blast processing trick again. Like, so, except in an an evolves form. Like, there aren't, there isn't uh, much to differentiate these consoles anymore. And a new console releasing isn't as big of a deal as it was. So, since these things are basically turning into budget PCs, like budget gaming PCs, they're being talked about like gaming PCs now. They're just introducing the layman to that kind of lingo, and that's how it's going to be going forward. Like, and even even if it uh, even if it's just marketing buzzwords, like all the stuff surrounding the solid state drive that they've said, um, right? Which isn't that amazing to us who are already familiar with that because we've had them since like i bought my first solid state drive when we were working at best buy and that one was on clearance and had been out for forever like right but this this is kind of the first time they've been in consoles unless you've modified either your ps3 or your ps4 um so this like this gives people something to latch onto and be excited about and stack up against the other consoles. It's like the Sega Blast processing thing, even though that ended up being utterly meaningless. <laughs> right. It, my thing with this is like they're kind of. I, I'm nervous that Sony's becoming a little bit too comfortable in their ridiculous lead in the console, um, like in the console side of things. It, it's outlandish like they reached the 100 million sold mark if i'm not mistaken and i mean microsoft hasn't released numbers in a while but estimated around like 40 million which isn't even half um but microsoft's made a lot of taken a lot of steps to kind of be very consumer friendly and be really appealing in the services that they provide and what they're doing um and all the new studios that they've bought is intriguing and they're and they're touting this stuff and they're using this opportunity where sony's kind of like dipped out and doing these like wired written articles to like go up on the e3 stage and you know do a bit about the next gen xbox and they're going out on stage and doing a bit about all these studios they're purchasing and all these new first party titles that are coming and all these new services that they're providing and um that's appealing to people that aren't you and me, man. That's yeah. like, that's going to appeal to like some regular Joe. Like there, there's people that I work with um, that aren't like techies or anything. They don't even know the PlayStation five thing. Yeah. They did um, kind they, of release it. Like, yeah, it's a thing. It's coming out, whatever. Yeah. And then they, they know the Xbox is coming out next year. 
And because E3 came, they came around and they had like a whole fucking video that was internet. Any, all of, you know, Microsoft and Xbox's freaking social media channels. Like if you looked at the internet that month, you saw a whole thing, like a whole thread about the Xbox One. Um, and this is just like kind of a random drop during a time that people aren't really paying attention to game news um, on a website that you have to be subscribed to to, to read. Um, and it's super technical. Yeah. And I love Mark Cerny, and I'm like, if I had to choose one of these consoles next gen, it's definitely going to be a PlayStation. Um, I like the stuff that they announced that we'll get into in a second. Um, and... You know, I've, I've always been a really big PlayStation fan, but, like, I worry that PlayStation's gotten so comfortable and stuff that they're just, like, not worried about it. They're like, oh, we can just do whatever we want. It's not a big deal uh, when the time comes, but both consoles will be around and people will choose us. Yeah, I think that uh, Sony and Microsoft have kind of had a hubris pendulum going since the uh, PlayStation 2 and the Xbox era. Like... Of those consoles, and I'm going to disregard Nintendo in this entirely because besides the GameCube, they don't really factor into the same market. Yeah, um, their generations are different. They also yeah. release at completely different times. Yeah, that too. But, like, PlayStation 2 won, and that swung the, the hubris pendulum Sony's way. So when the PS3 came out, we got 599 US dollars. Um, we don't have a good online infrastructure yet. It has a ton of ports you don't need. It's this big, bloated system that is just kind of a goddamn mess, and it's not focused enough on what it's doing to be that great. Also, here are a bunch of uh, here are a bunch of ports from the 360 that run worse. Yeah. Whereas the 360 was like, it had it had uh, the capability of being the cheaper option while still having full HD games that, even though the PS3 was more powerful, ran better at the start. And they also had a better online infrastructure. They did the uh, they did the downloadable game thing first, like to the point where PlayStation that whole generation was playing catch up. And while I do think that towards the end they did get there to the point where I switched from 360 to PS3, mostly because Microsoft's dashboard became an ad infested mess that I hated. Still um, is. But yeah, uh, that was what happened that generation. Then. PS4 and Xbox One. You remember the Xbox One launch where they tried to not have oh. disc games anymore, and uh, yeah, they, and they tried to yeah, they tried times. to introduce it as a fucking weird DVR thing with an HDMI pass through that worked with my cable company, and I just want to play games on this thing, dude. Yeah, they made it. They tried to make it your all in one set top box. Yeah. Um, it cost but, too much, and it was, like... And it came bundled with the Kinect again that nobody wanted. Like, yep. it cost too much, and it wasn't... Uh, same issues with the PS3 at launch. It cost too much, and it didn't have a clear philosophy behind it. Meanwhile, That's the PS4 it, yeah. basically was the apology console that fixed every fault that the PS3 had, and was also building from that point that the PS3 had gotten to towards the end of its life. Now we got the opposite happening, where Microsoft has to... Uh, they have to look good and fix up all the mistakes that they made from the Xbox One. And even though the Xbox One might be at a good place now, they still have to get back their market share. Whereas P PlayStation is fat and happy and can do things like release articles in an exclusive online <laughs> magazine that you have to pay for. 
<laughs> I know, man. It's baffling to me. Um, but we should get to some of the information for sure. I'm like, you know, the biggest thing for me is the PlayStation 5 is the name, and it comes out holiday 2020. Um, I think these are just givens. These are good moves. Um, it's coming out right alongside Microsoft, so they're going to have a head-to-head again this coming up launch, which is really interesting to me. Um, and then also I'm glad they went with the PlayStation 5 name. Um, I, I think like the naming conventions are super important when parents go in to buy their new consoles for their kids. Um, Microsoft has completely dropped the ball with their whole naming convention system. For they the they never, yeah, they never had one. They had the Xbox, the original one. Okay. Um, 360, sure, whatever. Uh, superlative numbers, that's a computer thing, fine. The Xbox One, I get what they were trying to do with the One, and it's emblematic of that whole worthy entertainment center idea yep. that they had to scrap, essentially. Like, this is the one thing that is your TV's partner. It's the one thing you boot up. Yeah. But it was a stupid idea because everyone referred to the original Xbox as the Xbox One. Oh, man, that became disastrous. It like I called it I still sometimes call the console the X-Boner just for clarity yeah yeah for sure I I think that um, and they're doing some weird shit with like this Project Scarlet shit this time like what are you doing just name it the Xbox 3 like just seriously yeah dude just get back on track or Xbox 4 rather I guess it's time to like get back on track um but some of the other information I liked, I really like Mark's turny and like when he talks and the interviews he's in, he's just like super intelligent. Um, and he talks about video games on another level uh, in terms of hardware that I don't think anybody in the industry does uh, as well as he does. Um, he confirms uh, there is ray tracing acceleration where, um, which is definitely what people were looking for. Um, so that's really interesting. Makes me kind of wonder how much that with the solid state drive and the custom CPU kind of just makes me wonder how expensive these consoles are going to be. Whatever. I, I don't think whatever they do, I don't think they can get up there and save 599 us dollars again. No, I don't think Which, they can do that. I really like I really want to know if they're going to loss lead this thing hard. Like I think to be competitive, it has to be priced with a four in front of it. Four hundred and ninety nine I could see, I would almost say just four hundred in general. Um but I don't, I don't know how you're gonna do so... that with like ray tracing support and they they've talked about four K gaming. I also find it funny that they uh kind of uh in here, they kind of admitted that they cheaped out on the PlayStation 4's hard drive inadvertently because they describe it as a 5400 RPM vinyl record. That's yeah. a slow-ass <laughs> hard drive, bro. That's not yeah. a full-speed hard drive. It really is. Um, they, I think, like, this generation, both consoles, across both consoles, we can expect 4K60. Um, we can expect... You know, like native 4K60, we can expect much better looking games, higher quality, you know, textures, better view view range distance, um, you know, 
better load times. Something interesting I saw in here was um, the ability through the UI, because they spoke a little bit about the UI, which is really interesting to me as well. Um, the ability to go in and choose what part of the game you want to load up. Um, like, I want to play single player, you can choose that from the UI, and it loads up single player real quick instead of load, going through like multiple loading screens to get into the landing page to load into the game. Um, so, like, I kind of like how they're taking steps to kind of get you into the game quicker, which is something I really like about the Switch, is, you know, like, you know, you can put it to sleep and open it, and the game's like, you leave right where you left off. I kind of want to see that. Yeah, the save state we, paradigm. Yeah. Um, and and it, I'm really interested in some of the UI things they're doing, and, you know, the lower load times, but I'm really, really, really interested to see uh, one, how much these end up costing, and two, just how much of a generational leap this is going to be, because we have like these checkerboard 4K games now, like Horizon and God of War, just look phenomenal. They're not native 4K, but they look amazing. Um, and I really just want to see like what that hefty price tag is going to get me, and what justifies like a whole new generation. Uh, a new PlayStation 5. This isn't PlayStation 4 Pro. This is like a brand new generation of console. I want to see the features that justify that. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see if it's going to have a big, basically a big generational up-res in the graphics. I'm also interested to see if, like, if it is something that is not as big as people would expect, because some people think, and I'm kind of one of them, honestly, that the jump from PS3 to PS4 wasn't all that huge in terms of graphical fidelity. But Yeah, not at first. Not at not first, first, at least. And that, like, I think this is going to be even less impressive because the thing about ray tracing is that it doesn't make games look like, at least right now, it doesn't make games look incredible. It just is an alternate way of doing lighting so that you don't have to bake in light maps. Right. And like there's probably gonna be uh there's probably gonna be a lot of games that do god rays. Like you remember that mine the screenshots of that Minecraft uh NVIDIA thing that we talked about a while back. Yeah. Like yeah. there's gonna be a lot of games that do god rays, and that's gonna be your your bloom of this generation essentially. But I yeah. don't think that uh that equates to necessarily looking way more impressive i think under the hood that's going to be cool because you'll be able to have more natural lighting and like anything that gets games closer to reality is a good thing in my opinion but for the for the end user especially joe uh joe schmo who doesn't know what a ray tracing is i don't know how much impact it's going to make and i'm i'm really judging by one um like the only screenshot we have, which is Gran Turismo 5, and that's still the PS4 stuff, so. Yeah, um, I do want to talk, I, I think a lot of the stuff we'll see are going to be, like, quality of life stuff, better loading times, better looking games, you know, um, better UI, everything moves much quicker, efficiently, you know, like, it's just a much smoother experience all the way through, start to finish, um, and it looks like the controllers are getting a huge um, overhaul. 
Uh, we don't know what they'll look like yet, but they're doing a lot of new stuff. Old style Rumble's gone in place. They're doing something called haptic feedback, uh, similar to what Xbox One was doing with their triggers. It looks like, and kind of what the Joy-Con do with um, their HD Rumble. Um, the the haptic feedback is supposed to do some very specific things depending on the game you're playing. Uh, they were talking about like, you know, if if you uh, were like walking through mud, or, you know, you're in a storm or something like that, like the actual rumble on the controller would change to kind of match that. Um, they're also using USB-C for faster charging. Hopefully this DualShock lasts much longer than the current one, which is horrible with battery life. Um It'll have a, it does say it's a larger capacity battery, um, and apparently the hap, you know the larger capacity battery, the haptics, what it says in this Wired article, make the controller a little bit heavier than the DualShock Four, um, but it still comes in a bit lighter than the current Xbox controller with batteries in it. That's what it stated. Yeah, I'll um, be like, I, I do find it funny that they swapped out the connector again. <laughs> like I know they had to because mini cables are kind of old at this point obnoxious it's literally the only thing in my house yeah it's like I, that's the only the only reason i have micro cables around is the pl- because i still have playstation 3 controllers that i need to power right yeah i i would be happy if everything just moved always move like, to usbc yeah yeah if everything just to move to usbc always i'd be very very excited because <laughs> at this point like the majority of the tech i use is usbc based um I mean, the Switch and the Switch Pro controller are USB-C, so, like, it, it's expected, for sure, at this yeah. point. I am, uh, definitely interested in it. I think it'll be cool. Um, it just remains to see what they do versus what Microsoft does, and it better be backwards compatible with all the PlayStation 4 shit, especially since both are x86 architecture and like... Yeah, they did say backwards. I mean, last the last Wired article was out a a while back said that it would be backwards compatible, so I don't think you have to worry about that. Good, good. Then, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm excited, man. It's times are coming, and they're going to be duking it out over the next year, and I'm hoping that... uh, PlayStation decides to go back to E3. Um, and I, I mean, we didn't really talk about this much, but Sean Layton's departure. Um, apparently, he did not like uh, big shows on stages and shit like that. He didn't like being mixed in with all the audiences, uh, being focused on just everybody and getting kind of drowned out in that. Um, and it was one of the big reasons why sony dropped out of e3 this past year um and why they dropped out a lot of the trade shows in general and didn't do a ton of conferences um i'll be interested to see if they go back that route and start doing it again i think they need to if they're announcing if they're dropping a new console in the fall if they're not showing something at the biggest trade show for video games of the year then they're doing something wrong yeah Uh, i don't like even nintendo came back to e3 in a limited way yeah, yeah. Even Nintendo has a huge direct every year at E3, and I mean Nintendo didn't just drop out of the stage show, dude. They didn't show up at all. They didn't have anything. Like they they were gone. 
um, which to me was just dumb. Um, I mean, sure, yeah. And they they dropped like their first Wired article around that time, like maybe a week or two before E3. But I was just like, okay, I get a Wired article, but I don't get to see like any new games or any new information. Picture the goddamn coming. thing I, that isn't the horribly ugly dev kit. Like, I just get to know that Spider-Man loads faster. Cool. Um, Microsoft just drops, like, a five-minute video on their new... Um, I I was I was upset. Uh, I think that we'll see some changes with Sony now that Sean Layden's gone. Uh, the day after he left, um, Crossplay uh, came out of beta and was available for all developers. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but I, I, I'm really interested to see how this goes, man. I'm, I'm really interested. Yeah, it'll be cool. But anyway, I think that's about it for us. Uh, you got anything else? No, man, I'm good. All right. Well, we will see you guys next time. Um, hopefully quicker than a month. Uh, that was uh, life gets in the way sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we'll get on a, on a better schedule. Get yeah. more of these smooth burritos going. Yeah, especially now that Trevor has a mic that doesn't make him sound like Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see you guys. Bye-bye.